How many know that we are truly, truly blessed to have the pastor that we have? We need to make sure we don't take it for granted about the leadership that we get to be under, the guidance that we get to have. And I don't know if you were, I mean, I know it wasn't easy to, but if you were able to hear the message last night that he preached that because of the times, what we, what I was with uh, the other campus pastors when we watched it, we, were, we began to th- talk. It's so amazing and how blessed we are to be able to have that knowledge of that we are already in revival and that the anointing is already here. And to know that we have a pastor that was able to relay that to other pastors. Thousands of pastors got to hear that word and they're now going to relay that to their churches. We are so blessed to have them in our church and be underneath their ministry. So with that, really loud. Sorry, it was louder than I thought. With that, if you want to be a part of that great revival now that we know and we completely understand. And if you were listening yesterday, you were reminded of that the revival is already here. And if you want to be a part of that already revival, you have to have the proper tools of prayer. And I believe that we've been learning and striving on these things to change our lives, to change the way we do things, to, to change the way we wake up in the morning. We've heard from the, uh, that minister that came in about the 6 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. or... The early morning prayer. But we've been learning and we've been been taught and being preached at about the importance of what this prayer can do. And it all is to set us up for this great revival that is already here. It's just now we need to be activated into it. One of my favorite quotes was a few years ago. It was from Pastor Eli. He was doing a a series on prayer and he said spiritual battles are won on your knees. I don't know if that came from you or you wrote it from somewhere else, but I gave you credit, so I'm not plagiarizing. I apologize. But spiritual battles are won on your knees. Prayer is not just some magic trick. It's just not one special word that you you learn and you know how to say it. It's not some poem that you have to read every day. It's nothing like that. It's not something that God will come and command and fix your problems. But because of that, it is going to be a battle, and it's never going to be easy. And there's a reason why it's never going to be easy. It's because it deals with your heart. You need to have a full, sincere heart in order to get into battle. You cannot be just willy-nilly and walk into a battlefield and not have your heart be affected. You need to give everything that you have to get into this battle. When you pray, you need to pray as you are in battle. You need to go to war when you're praying. And none of this will happen unless you do it from the depths of your heart. And if it was easy, there would be no point of it. There would be no point of any situation if it was just so easy to get out of it because you're not going to learn a single thing out of your situation. When we go to prayer, we go to war because God wants to use us in such a way that we couldn't do it if we just prayed a little petty prayer. If we want to really truly be a part of that great revival that is spoken about in the Bible, and we know we are already living in those days, we need to know how to go to war. 
Because it's not going to be an easy situation when those times are starting to come. It, you, you watch the news. You, you see the newspapers. It's not something that's just so easy, but it's something that we need to make sure we're right. We need to make sure our heart is right. We need to make sure that our prayer life is strong because we need to go to war for every situation. And what I'm trying to get to today, I'm not just praying for your cities. I'm not talking about just praying for your church, but I'm also talking about praying for yourself. And the importance of what that is. So I have one question. When was the last time you've ever gone to war for just you? It's easy to go to war for the cities. It's easy to go to war for your work. It's easy to go to war for the church because it's, it's, it's here and I could see things happening. But you don't put yourself in that picture. You can't really see things changing for yourself. When was the last time you passionately prayed to God for yourself? I'm not saying, well, I don't pray for myself because, you know, that's vain and, you know, it's selfish. No, 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 no. There's things, there's reasons why you need to pray for yourself. There's things that need to be fixed in your life. This evening, I would like to talk to us tonight about dangerous prayers. Dangerous prayers. I like that we, you know, we were worshiping. We were praising God. And it's, you know, we're great worshipers. It's easy to worship. It's just hallelujah. You're all, it's happy. It's easy. You're cheerful. Everyone around you is doing it. We have music to pump you up. But you don't have music to pump you up in your dangerous times. And you don't have music to pump you up in these serious moments when you're going into war. It's more of like an agony and a struggle and a toughness. It's like trying to walk through mud. It's just not easy. It's not motivating. So we need to learn and we need to understand what happens and how to do it when we pray dangerous prayers. King David has the most famous dangerous prayer. In Psalms, uh, Psalms chapter 139, he starts off and he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Now why is that so dangerous? Is it because God might find something that he didn't like? Is it worried that he's going to maybe get in trouble? Maybe David's heart is going to get in trouble for God when he says, search me. How is that so dangerous? God knows everything. God knows our heart inside and out. So there's no danger in there. But what this is saying is that when David was praying this thing, he's saying, God, search me to the depths of my heart. God, look inside Anything you see you don't want, get it out of me. God, I want to be clean. I want to be a right man. I want to be what you need me to be. It's dangerous to pray that prayer because you don't know what doors you've opened up. The verse says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my downsittings, my uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts far off. He knows everything. There's not one thing he doesn't know. So there's no reason to be afraid to pray this dangerous prayer. Thou compass my path by laying down and the art of inquited with all of my ways for thine are not word in my tongue. But lo, O Lord, thou knoweth altogether. God knows you from the hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. He was there when you took your first breath. He's going to be there when you take your last breath. But when we start to understand what it means to ask God with everything, not just, just God search me. God, you know, no, I'm talking about on your knees. God, search me. 
Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to get rid of. Tell me what I need to fix. These prayers, they're dangerous because it's going to hurt. You're going to begin to see things you never thought you would have had problems with. See, the struggle isn't what God's going to find. It's the struggle is what you're going to find. What is God going to reveal to you? That's why it's dangerous. In order for that to ever happen, you need to have that authority. Because God, a pastor's already taught us, we have that authority. To know that this world is not our own. This body is not yours. Whatever is going on, whatever is corrupt needs to go. So we need to pray this prayer. God, search me and get anything out of me. Don't let this distract me from my calling. Don't let this distract me from my purpose. Here's an issue that every single one of us has gone through. We come to pre-service prayer. Service prayer. Prayer service. I'll get it. (laughs) I messed myself up too at Manuka too. I'm like, yeah. But we come to we come to prayer service and we we begin to think and and, you know and this is talking to myself when I step up to the pulpit at Manuka Church I stand there and I say this let's pray for God to move in this service let's pray for this city let's pray for this church which these are all the right things to say these are all the good things to say but what we could be doing what I could be possibly hindering for myself and for other people is when you say that it's easy to pray for that it's easy to pray God fill these seats God bring someone in and let them get the Holy Ghost I'm not saying not to pray those prayers but there's some people that are sitting here needing to pray this dangerous prayer and they think it's just going to be okay if I pray for them it's going to help me so what does that look like that looks like you begin to put an umbrella up or a helmet on your head, and you have this protection because you're not praying for yourself. God can't hurt me. God's not searching me. But God, I pray for this person. And you're holding your umbrella. you got your pads on. God, pray for this church. He's not going to hurt me. He's going to get them. God, do this. God, do that. And we sit there through service after service after service, and we wonder why things aren't changing, why God isn't moving, and you, and you, but you have your protection. It feels comfortable. You feel good. You know, I'm, I, nothing's hurting me today. But with that helmet, with that umbrella, with that, with that overprotection of yourself, you're, you're not getting the opportunity to say, God, search me. Show me my faults. Show me my issues. I know you don't want to hear your problems. You don't want to hear your faults. Because you might know what they are and you don't want to be reminded of them. We need to not struggle to ask God to what to do. We need to stop hindering God and give him absolute access to everything in you. And what does that do? That is you walking in, and if this is not like I said, this is if you feel like, God, you haven't moved in your walk with God, you haven't moved in ministry, you haven't moved in your own walk with God. You need to come to an altar And you need to take off that protection. You need to take off the helmet or throw the umbrella away and just say, God, this is where you need to work. God, this is where I need to fix. God, start here and work down. Search everything in me. It's going to hurt. Giving God 100% access is going to hurt. But there's a reason for the hurt. It's because the things that are attached to you are killing you. 
the things that I got a hold of you are slowly bringing you down. God's saying, I can get rid of that if you just open up to me. I can help you there if you just open up. You can't turn marble into the statue of David and say, one hit, done. No. It takes time. It takes a hammer. It takes a chisel to slowly work into it and begin to carve out what the masterpiece is supposed to look like. It doesn't just take one minute to make an art a work, a work of art, sorry. But who in this room is ready to do that? Who's willing to say, God, here's my helmet, here's my umbrella, here's everything I got that was protecting me, here's your hammer, here's your chisel, go to work. Begin to do it. What does that look like? You have that dangerous prayer. God, search me. Here's the hammer. God, use me. Here's the chisel. Begin to take it off. Begin to take everything out of my life that does not belong there. God wants to use you. God has a desire for you. It's not going to be easy. I, I always say, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Nobody would be going to hell. Nobody would sin if it was easy to push away the world and let God completely take over. We need to go to war for our situations. We need to begin to pray a little more dangerous, even when it looks ugly, even when it gets painful. We need to know and understand that God is only doing it to better you. Second Corinthians verse five through seven. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We need to begin to surrender and pray dangerously. I don't know what to pray for because I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do once God takes us off. There's no clear path. There's no clear vision. I don't see the end of the tunnel. The few steps, there's a few points that I want to make. Following God. Following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. There's a lot of people, how many here like to have a schedule, a PowerPoint, a rough draft, a final draft, outline, to know what's going to happen in your life, what's going to happen in your everyday. But I'm sorry to stand here and tell you that you don't get a timeline or an outline or a final draft. You get God saying, come here, let me chisel something off you real quick. We need to know what it's like to follow God when we don't know where we're going. This was a few, maybe six months ago. Brother Luke came up here. I love Brother Luke. I love him. He doesn't understand the wisdom that he has. <laughs> but he came up to here and he taught us a message. And he began to preach it. And I believe he's going to get it. That when we are in the unknown, we should not be scared. When you don't know what the end outlook, you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side, that's when we need to know that God is going to do something. God's going to do his work. We need to get excited when we have the unknown in front of us. When you can't see the end of the tunnel, that means God's got so much to go that you can't see the ending result because God's going to teach you and mold you and turn you into the one that he's made you to be. My next point. Waiting for God's timing without knowing when that will come. They always say God's timing is the right timing. 
but our flesh says the difference. Trusting God's timing, it can be hard. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's easy. My wife and I, the day that we'll never, ever forget, we thought we weren't supposed to be in Illinois. We, we had this crazy idea that we we're going to move away and thank God for an amazing pastor that said, no way. <laughs> but we didn't know. We had the unknown. We didn't know what was supposed to happen. And the year was 2014. I can't tell you the exact date, but I can show you exactly where I was in the chapel when God called me to pastor a church. 2014. Talking to my wife, I remember sitting in a car, and we're like, we don't know how or when or what or where we're even going to be. But we knew it was a call from God. It was nerve-wracking, scary, very unsure. And did did you hear that I said that was 2014? Five years later, God opened up a door. God's timing. In those five years, me and my wife would say, is this ever going to happen? What it, what, we just didn't know when or how or where. We tried to move to this place, tried to move to that place. But God's timing is the right timing. Because it wasn't just the fact that we were wondering when or how, but during that time is when we got to learn. It's when we got to grow. It's when, when God began to chisel some stuff off of our life that we would not be able to do what we're doing today if we were still into that lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying we were heathens and terrible people, but there's things in your life that need to slowly take it off of you in order you to accomplish the true purpose for God. God's timing is the absolute right timing. My next point is expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide. I know we've got a lot of testimonies of that here today. How is God going to help me make this payment? How is God going to help me get over this sickness? How is God going to be able to get my life back on track? God, I need a miracle. I have no idea where it's going to come from. But these are things that we need to make a lifestyle. Start to expect a miracle without knowing where it's going to come from. Start to expect God's timing to be right timing. Start expecting the unknown to be something to be praiseful about. Trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstance. Proverbs, Proverbs sorry, chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean onto your own understanding. True wisdom needs obedience to God's law and obedience to God's law and you'll be benefited wholeheartedly by trusting in God. You're going to get rewarded by trusting in God. Things that you could never thought would be possible. God will begin to bless you with because you trusted in him. Things that looked impossible and you never thought would ever happen. You start to trust God. Doors are going to open. People are going to come your way. God, I just want to teach one Bible study. God, I want to be able to do this. Trusting that it's going to happen. Trusting that you'll be able to be involved without understanding how it's going to work. Trust in the Lord with all, with all of your heart. Another situation that you might experience with these dangerous prayers is that you might experience fear. 
Does every single conflict with your spouse worry you? Maybe I need to learn how to trust God with my marriage. Every time you argue, it it puts a sickness into your heart. And these are the answers. Maybe I need to trust God with my marriage. Maybe I need to start putting God first in my family. Are you a helicopter parent constantly hovering over your child? Maybe you fear their failures and separation or death. Do you fully trust God as your protector? Do your finances cause you endless anxiety? Do you really trust that God is your provider? These are things that when you give God absolute trust, he's going to be able to bless you in so many ways. We have marriages that were put back together. Why? Because of the trust of God. We've had children come back to the Lord. Why? Because of the trust of God. We've had finances be completely fixed. Why? Because of the trust of God. He will begin to bless and bless and bless if we just trust in him. Fear tries to call God powerless. It says that you may have God, but he's not enough. How many know that is a lie? That is an absolute lie. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear has torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. What is this saying? So, false, uh, sorry, fear, what does that mean? False evidence appearing real. Things that are not even happening begin to take over your mind, and you begin to think they are happening. Things that would never come forth, you begin to believe. The same goes with everything in your life. Things that are not even there, you begin to trust that that is not even real. Psalms chapter 46, verse 10. This is what you need to do. You need to be still and know that I am God. I will exalt among the nations and will be exalted in the earth. When your enemy tries to tell you that your God isn't big enough, that you're never going to get through your struggle, you're never going to get through your problem, he is the God of all. He's the God of all nations and all of the earth. We cannot get stuck into believing things that are not real. We cannot get stuck in being in these situations that are conflict in your life to maybe not even go to church anymore. We need to begin to learn how to pray dangerously because these are the things, these small things that might be able to relate to some of you in this room. These are the things that God is saying, hand me the hammer, hand me the chisel, let me do my work. Let me begin to make these changes so you will believe that I will bless and I can provide. We must trust We must surrender and we must get rid of fear in order to accomplish dangerous prayers. I believe that God will put storms in your life to teach you something, not to torture you, not to pick on you. When you're in the middle of a storm, you need to stop saying, why, God? And start to look for why. Start to see what am I needing to learn here? What is the situation I need to change? What do I need to fix? 
I'm sorry to tell you, because if you go through the storm and you didn't learn, God's going to send another storm and another storm. And you're going to think, my life is worthless. My life is just, it's just in corruption. But no, God's saying, look around. Open up your eyes. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to chisel something off of you. I'm trying to grow you somewhere. We need to understand that storms are not a negative situation, but is an absolute positive situation. God wants to open up our eyes. and He wants to show us things that we never thought we would be able to see. He wants to show you where you can go, how far you can go. The only way to accomplish that is to face these storms and begin to get dangerous and begin to say, God, use me. God, change me. God, fix me. We can all stand. I want us all to start to think. When every eye closed. When was the last time you have passionately prayed for yourself? When was the last time you asked God to search you completely? From the depths of your heart, say, God, show me. Show me what I need. Fix what I need to get taken out of. How many are you are willing to come to this altar and begin to hand God the hammer and begin to guide God the chisel and say, God, I want you to do what you need to do. How many are willing to make that step and say, I don't care how much it's going to hurt. I don't care how ugly the war is. God, I don't care how, pa- how much pain it's going to cause. But God, I want it all to be taken out for your glory. I want to do what you've called me to do. This altar is open to those, only to those that are willing to pray dangerously, willing to search from the depths of your heart to what God needs to change and what God needs to do.